Video is everywhere, but not for everyone. So says Saurabh Katari, head of rich media marketing at Cisco. He explains why video marketing is all about building relationships, whether it's for new customers, existing customers, or internally with coworkers. The video revolution is here, and it's changing how we do business. Learn how to use video to engage customers and drive results here on the Video Marketing 2.0 podcast with your hosts Joel Gubich and Brendan Carty. Welcome to Video Marketing 2.0, where we discuss the world of videos for marketing and business purposes. Hi, I'm Joel Gubich, Business Director at ThinkMojo, and with me is my colleague, head writer and creative story lead, Brendan Carty. Hey, Brendan, are you there? I'm here, Joel. How are you? We're going to have a conversation with somebody, uh, with uh, Surab Katari, who I met at uh, the Space Camp conference just a couple weeks ago. And he so you talks- actually you actually were working then. You weren't you weren't just walking around. Like going from from vendor to vendor looking for like uh, someone to validate your parking. That's that's that was the that was what we sort of the impression that we got back at the office. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's really hard to validate parking in San Francisco. <laughs> that's true. If you're not driving, just taking so you, so you may as well work then. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Surab so gave a I think an unbelievable presentation about video and how video is everywhere but it's not necessarily for everybody i think that was the name of the title of his presentation and i thought wow what a great great discussion to have about that especially you know since we only talk about video marketing and the future of it you know and the new paradigm so you know with that you know i wanted to uh to welcome surab welcome to uh to the podcast thank you really excited to be here guys thank you so much we talk about video and video marketing being everywhere, you know, and it's not just YouTube and it's not just Facebook and it's not just on websites or social media. It's it's basically, it's getting into almost the entire fabric of everything we do in business, you know, and, and I, I, I don't think that's by chance. I think it's people and businesses are responding to what audiences want and how they want to communicate. You know, you talked about your experience, how video is everywhere, but it's not necessarily for everybody. You know, what is what is your journey to where you are right now in terms of your experience in video and how you've seen things change over that 15 or 16 year period? I started out um, in audio video uh, in the late 90s. So we were still in the transition from analog to digital at the time. Um, and the internet was still very, very new. Email was was not the norm, actually. People still pretty much called each other, um, and a lot of business was still fast. So I started an audio video in the late 90s with audio conferencing, video conferencing, and we used to call it uh, webcasting, but the truth was I was recording on real media or on Windows media or on Flash and sending out files, crashing people's email servers because the entire company server used to be five megabytes, right? And before we had all the compression technology that came really around 2000, um, an audio file was like one and a half megs. Right. So, so it was. Uh, it's we've we've gone a long way since those days. You know, it's just interesting going back and seeing how things have developed over a period of time, which doesn't seem all that long. And you know, the whole context of video marketing and and video marketing 2.0 is that things have developed, and we are going through a, a gigantic transition. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I think we've been fortunate, you know, at Cisco, where I am, and even before Cisco, you know, working on 24 with their top 100 customers, you know, to to be able to see things a little further out than a lot of our colleagues. You know, my, my counterparts at Oracle and Microsoft and Intel um, and IBM, uh, et cetera, are, have a similar sort of feeling that we have an opportunity, maybe a one or two year runway on a lot of other companies that for whatever reason have not adopted video, or even if they have adopted video, haven't really taken it very seriously. Um, whereas many of us, you know, Microsoft's a good example along with us here at Cisco, we've been we've invested in video from a marketing perspective or even from a communications perspective for over a decade. We've been doing this like, for over 10 years. So it, it, it helps. I think the perspective helps because we, we're trying to provide a view to folks that are going to go through those 10 years in one year, right? And, and, and to help them understand, it's, it may seem maddening and it may seem like a lot, but, but it, it's not really. If you just try to keep your head on, you'll be fine. That's all I try to do every day is just keep it on. It you're, succeed, you're succeeding wonderfully, John. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I will say has changed more recently is where video was, was predominantly a marketing investment in the past, now we are seeing, to, to, to the title that, that you had pointed out, video everywhere, right? There's a ton of video coming out of sales. There's a ton of video coming out of HR. There's video coming out of IT. Video coming out of finance. Yeah, you got to give them props for that. Is there's storytelling coming out of finance. And, you know, when I meet with people at Cisco that, that do finance, the, the question is, yeah, why not? Why shouldn't they tell their story in a compelling manner, right? They're also trying to build relationships. And that's what I think video really does come down to is outside of in-person contact, it is probably the best media for building relationships. And why do you, why do you think that is? Is it the – people respond to the visual more than they do the audio or being able to read something? Well, I, I think you have to think about what video is and where it comes from, right? Most of the video you'll see in your lifetime is of people. And that is very much like our relationships, right? I mean, most of us want to spend time with other people. Video allows you to do that without all the inconveniences of spending time with other people, just like we are doing right now, right? You, you feel the connection. And when you do it interactively like we're doing, you can build a real-time relationship. But the truth is the medium lends itself to a personal connection, right? The standard for video we, we all grew up with is movies, full-blown rich stories, right, that, that are depicted in real-world settings. What you can do with video, you can't do with live performance. You can't do with a scripted word. You can't force a certain perspective on a person or change time and place as graphically, not to be corny about it, but as graphically as you can do with video. So I think that the ability to build that relationship and to connect with people with video is somewhat unique, but it's not new. You know, we, we've all watched television. We all grew up watching television. And we've all seen advertisements, right? So the transition to the Internet and having this happen across the board, is, is not, it's not really a coincidence. It's just a matter of time. The storytelling aspect of video is really somewhat unparalleled in, in terms of other mediums that allow you to do that. So, Sora, I think the the storytelling aspect is so powerful. And I, I, I know in the last... 10 years, let's, or the last 15 years, you know, you've probably seen a huge change from the, obviously, the, the late 90s video 
to today. So what just in terms of the the goal of video content, how has that changed since you started till today and then how you see it going forward? Because it's not just it seems like it's not just about sales anymore. It's broadened into so many more different offshoots. Absolutely. And even before we get into post sale, which which I'd love to talk about because not enough people talk about it with video. Let's actually start off with with how video platforms were built. Traditionally, all of our video platforms on television or with with, uh, cinema or even online were built on the advertiser's dime. So the only way to create an ongoing video channel was to get the largest audience possible. And then what you try to do is you try to segment segments of that audience to advertisers to pay for it. So the more people you had, the more successful you were, or, or so it seemed. We don't need to do that anymore. The effectiveness and the efficiency of video, both production and delivery, doesn't require a massive investment. You don't need massive audiences for quality video content to pay off. So you've moved from advertising, which is what mostly brands did with video, you know, you move all the way through the funnel, top, middle, bottom, and now there's a tremendous amount of focus through the funnel, right? Into retention, into renewal, right? Into loyalty, into building relationships. Because that's really what video has always allowed you to do, is build relationships. You're not limited to just build a relationship at the beginning. You can renew that relationship with video on an ongoing basis. In fact, what we found in the last couple of years especially is that the investment in ongoing video series is so much more profitable and so much more rewarding than one-off videos, even if the one-off videos have, and I mean this, 10 times as much budget. Over two years, they don't perform. Like a tenth of the cost invested in the series. You've already taken one of my my biggest questions out of my quiver now, because I was going to ask you what if a young company you know, is starting their video marketing strategy, they have limited funds, is it more? Is it a better idea to go for one premium video that sort of does it all or to spread the wealth and create a video series over the longer term? And what you're saying is that one video that you funneled your money into, it's not nearly as effective as the longer series. Correct, because one of the key factors is not just about the, the, the return on investment in the content, but it's about you yourself, your ability to build a relationship with your audience, especially for younger companies. Because I, I consult for startups, right? I, I help people being where I am in the Bay Area. And with a startup or with a younger company, your relationship with your customers isn't that mature. So to invest your entire messaging strategy and to put all of your relationship, it's like going on a date and expecting to get married. That's ridiculous, right? Go on a, go on a, go on a humble date, right? Have a humble conversation and save your money, save your resources to respond to what you learn. Then respond again, then respond again. Build that relationship, and if you do it right with video, you'll be able to scale that series of content that you've created with other customers at a very low cost. Absolutely. You know, it's about touch points also. You know, if you just do a single video or you or just one or two big ones there and you put all the emphasis in, you're not touching the customer over and over again. So let's say you got that great one video and it's done and maybe they somebody does you know, respond to your call to action. But if they don't, then you're done. You've never touched them again. Exactly. And, and given the attention spans that people have today, especially professionals, right, especially from a B2B perspective in my world, right, where you're dealing with an audience that's as knowledgeable as you are. And I would say that's not as uncommon as you think. 
You know, we, we tend to think, okay, to be longer sales cycles, these guys know everything. Consumers are very savvy, too. They know a lot about your product. They know a lot about your marketing. And they know a lot about what you're not saying. So if you're going to invest everything into one big impact, remember that in about 30 minutes, unless you're brilliant, you will be almost entirely forgotten. Then what are you going to do? A good video isn't good enough. You need a good video strategy as well. At ThinkMojo, we'll show you how to create a video marketing plan that gets results. It's totally free, and there's no obligation. Just visit thinkmojo.com slash consultation and set up your video strategy consultation today. You mentioned before how, you know, at Cisco and other big enterprise-level companies that almost every department or every part of the business is getting into the using video for communication means internally, externally, or whatever. But I'm, I'm curious when you mentioned in your speech or in, in the, the title that video isn't for everybody, what exactly did you mean by that? So I, I get a lot of trouble for this sort of candid approach that I take, but you know, I, 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 I think I've built a career on getting in trouble. So the idea is simple. I'm going to use an analogy because why not, right? If you think about it, all of us should be eating fresh fruits and vegetables, right? Every single human being should consume that on as regular a basis as possible, as organically grown as possible. But I would argue that all of us should not be growing fresh fruits and vegetables. There's a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and a lot of patience and commitment that goes into growing a garden of things that you're going to nurture and then eat and consume, and that'll be a part of you forever. The same thing goes to video. Everyone should watch video. Everyone should enjoy it, but not everyone should create it. And I've actually worked on certain personas that over the years we've found are downright toxic to the video project and to the effort of a larger team trying to put a video together. And, 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 and as you remember, Joel, in the presentation, I talked about three in particular, the cheerleader. This is a person that works on your project that can't say no. And everybody's idea is great. No, that's not how content's created. You're first of all going to piss off all of your creatives as soon as you say that everybody, everybody's idea is great because anyone who's creative knows that their own ideas 80% of the time suck, right? And so you're, you're going to take away decisiveness. And that is critical when you're building content, not just video. So we worry about the cheerleader. In fact, I say fear the cheerleader. That's what we say whenever they show up. The second is the yes man, which is a more corporate phenomenon. You may not have this in smaller companies, but we certainly deal with it. And they come from anywhere. Yes men are, are compelled to support senior executives, as if senior executives need support. I, I love the irony here. And they often form entourages around senior executives or subject matter experts, and they dull the effect of that person. They make them safe. They lose their edge. It's ironic because what got a great subject matter expert or an executive to where they are with their messaging is what the yes man is taking away. By, you know, by agreeing with them and trying to protect them when the person doesn't need protection. And the third, and this is the one that gets me in the most trouble, but the people I work with here don't mind the candor, is what we call the script clinger. So this is the person who, and I've had someone say this to me verbatim, I can say anything on camera if you write it down for me. Yeah, well, congratulations. So can we, right? So can anyone. 
But the idea there is the person sounds like they're reading, and even if they're not reading, it sounds like and it looks like they're recalling from memory something that's written out. I don't want that in a video. If you just wanted to read something to me, why don't you just give me the text, right? You need people that feel the content, that represent the content, that even when you cut to B-roll, the audio is passionate, it's compelling. So those are the three that I've worked on so far. I'm identifying a few more, and I'm sure I'll share those as we, as we nail that these people absolutely are not going to help your video project. So I guess the, the takeaways there are, number one, just don't make the video yourself because that's always a mistake, which as a, as a company that produces videos, we will, of, of course, support. Uh, but number two, you have to give up. I think when, when you get into the collaborative process with uh, a company that, that is producing your video, you have to be willing to give up a little bit of control. Is that what you're, you're, you're saying? So you can't be driving the entire project uh, from the back. You know, it's interesting. I've heard this, this discussion change over the last five years more times than I heard it change in the last 15. And, and, and I see it go back and forth. I think collaborating with anyone on content is critical. And if the person isn't collaborating, if they're not contributing, my argument would be to take them out. Take them out of the project, right? Because committees kill creativity. So when you're collaborating with a vendor or an agency or even an individual consultant, I think it is important to go in and respect why they're in the project. And if you don't want their creative input, if you don't want the intelligence or the experience that they have, then don't include them, right? Don't use them. Do it yourself, to your point, Brendan. If you are going to work with people, then respect what they bring to the table and always make clear what the goal is. That's where I see a lot of collaborations go sideways. The goal isn't clear. The activity is clear. And that, that isn't what your agency or your vendor or your consultant is going to be able to do their best work with. If you tell them, I want to shoot this person saying this, why, why do you need me? Right? What you want to do is achieve something with that video, and that is where your agency or your vendor or your consultant can help you get better. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we, uh, we sometimes say to, uh, to clients, you, know, you get to that moment in the, the process where it's like you know, it's the tug of war. It's like you didn't hire us to make a video. You hired us to make a great video. Let us do that for you. So I think that, you know, if we could have you in some of those discussions, then all of our problems would be over. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Ask my team if, if that's always the, if that always works. And they would, <laughs> they, they, they do bring me in. And those calls are a lot shorter. As you can tell, I'm, I'm very loud and opinionated. I, I will say one more thing, though, um, Brendan. You know, ultimately, the reason you're creating content, not just video, is to influence behavior. Right? The idea that you want people to consume your con content is a pretty bad idea. That's not a goal. Having people watch your video is not a goal. You don't make any money. You don't build any relationships if people watch your video. You build relationships if you can influence their behavior. And that having that mindset that we're ultimately trying to achieve something through this content allows people like us, at least, to be flexible, to be collaborative. That's interesting. That reminds me of what something you said originally, how video was sort of born out of the advertiser's model where we thought that just more views equals more success. And I think on a smaller scale in the YouTube generation, people are still kind of looking at it from that perspective. The more views I get, the more successful the video must have been. 
when in fact engagement are, is judged by totally different metrics uh, of, of conversion. And I think that that's one of the you know the the sins that people commit when they look at their own video marketing campaign. You know, how many people are watching it? It's like how many people are buying because they watched it is, is more of the the question that we should be asking. Exactly, and for a lot of companies like ourselves, you know, that have been fortunate to build a loyal customer following, you know, we're a little more mature as a, as a company, an industry leader, so to speak. The concern is less about the next customer than it is the existing customer, right? Mm -hmm. Am I going to put all of my marketing resources for the next billion dollar sales, or am I going to put a significant amount of it towards the forty-eight billion that other people want to take from me? And that's that brings to uh, another point about uh, video marketing that it's not just about marketing or, or sales. You know, I think onboarding is a huge uh, use of video right now that uh, a lot of a lot of companies are starting to get into. You know, they and they're getting frankly better at. You know, it used to be you know, the the very boring sort of screenshot tutorial video that you 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 want to pass over as soon as you start. But you know, that that sort of content uh, is becoming more popular. Obviously, content marketing and, and just branded content is becoming more useful. Uh, do you see that as – what do you see as some of the, the next stages in video? I, I know there probably more of that, but do you see anything else on the horizon that, that companies should be aware of and per, perhaps use in their own strategies? Absolutely. So um, in the last couple of years, our most technical video program, you know, which, which has been very successful for us globally. That's a lot, million views on YouTube, you know, and yada, yada. That program has been tied very closely with our support team. And so we're in marketing. Why are we talking regularly to the support team? Because this is technical content. If it's not relevant to the problems customers are really having today, then it's all make-believe, right? And that, I think, for us is, is a key point. Business decisions, no matter what size, are becoming a lot more flexible. The fact that someone's bought from you doesn't mean they're yours forever. In fact, in today's market, it's the opposite. Buyer's remorse is at an all-time high. People regret buying decisions as soon as they make them because there were so many choices. Did I make the right one? So if your onboarding is weak, if it's all about, hey, 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 you love me till you buy, and then I'm going to send you to this automated robot voice, right? You've just given your competitor the perfect opportunity to market to a customer that you brought into the market. Why would you do that? So there's onboarding, there's support, both key areas for video, and we're investing heavily in that. But there's also renewal and retention, right? Marketing to your customers, what's called customer marketing. We believe that's going to be a huge, huge focus area for marketing over the next three to five years, focusing on the customers you already have and building better messaging and better content for them which actually, in our case, works great as bottom-of-funnel content for new customers, too. If it works for someone that's bought and is happy with what they're doing, it'll likely work really well with people that are considering to buy. You know, one of the things that I took away also from, uh, from your presentation, and it got repeated over and over again over the, the two-day space camp, was how critical good script writing is. And storytelling starts from a good script. And, you know, you talk about video everywhere and different parts, you know, the finance department and the HR department. I, I can see that there could be a real difficulty in keeping quality across the, uh, the, the different sections of a big business 
And, and how do you deal with something like that? Because if you don't have the same quality of script writing, then you know, then you're you're really hurting yourself, aren't you? Yeah, and, and that actually, you know, in that question is the answer, Joel, is that for us, despite being fully committed, right, my team is fully committed to videos and webinars. It's all we do. You know, we've never produced a white paper. We've never produced an ebook. Um, though we have produced some infographics because they're so close to the content that we had. The truth is we spend a lot of time on script, more time looking at words than we do at video. Because if we don't have a script that's good enough, and this could be a script for internal employees, it could be a script for an executive using it both internally and externally, and it could be a script for partners or resellers, all of whom are different audiences than our main audience customers, right? So your scripting has to be rock solid. Most people, however, have no experience with screenwriting. They've never done it in their entire life. Even if they have 30 years of professional experience in marketing, they've written copy and promotional messaging, but they've never written for screen, which means they've never written for action. And that's the big difference. With screenwriting, you've got to write not just about characters and their carabouts, but you've got to write well beyond dialogue. You've got to formulate what would happen to these people, what would be interesting and unexpected if it happened to these people, but still be fully believable and natural. So screenwriting for us doesn't matter if it's a video for our corporate social responsibility, where we're trying to get our employees to support a cause, or if it's a video for IT about how they're going to roll out a new platform. If you don't have a script for your video, that's the first red flag I deal with, even though everything we shoot is nonfiction. Very, very little of what we shoot is fictional. Most of it's nonfiction. So you might be thinking, well, that's, that's a documentary. How do you script a documentary? Of course you script a documentary. And then you put it together in editing as close as possible to the narrative that you had conceived, or you change your narrative if the performance warrants it. Well, Ken Burns has made a, a complete living off doing things like that. Exactly. And that's why I recommended, you know, for those that have never written uh, anything for the screen, I know it sounds corny, but read Poetics from Aristotle. It's very light. It's very short. And if you're committed to learning this, read Story by Robert McKee. And I would add one thing just to the, uh, Joel, you brought up the, the Ken Burns. Actually, Ken Burns is one, one of my favorite quotes just on storytelling in general. He, when he was making the baseball series, you know, the, the nine inning baseball series, he said that he took the perspective, the, the writing perspective of trying to explain baseball to a middle-aged European woman. And he's Perfect. breaking it down to its most elemental level, not going beyond the stats and the numbers and in the business terms, you know, the data that would bore people to death and focusing on the stories that anyone, no matter what their background, could relate to. And I think that no matter what kind of story you're writing, that's uh, something to keep in mind, like to discover What's the, what's the part of this story that has universal appeal? And that's probably the most compelling part of it. May I give you guys an example, right, to, to, to bring this home? So, so let's not use a customer audience because we've already established that's not where a lot of video is growing. Many people are doing customer videos, but there's a lot of other video growing. So for our sales team, we do a program for every major product or service launch. And the program is unlike anything our executives have recorded before. Each executive that's responsible for that launch, so the head of the product, right? This is a very, very powerful person, Cisco. And the head of the sales team globally, another very powerful person. Each executive has three minutes or less to pitch 
the launch. And there are no slides. And we got a lot of criticism and a lot of concern when we started this program. How can you do that? What, why would executives communicate that way? And the way we explained is if the executive, the person that knows more about the customers and the product and service, can't pitch it to the sales team in less than three minutes, how's the sales team supposed to leave a 30-second voicemail for their customer? Or how are they supposed to bring it up in conversation? They're not going to whip out a PowerPoint when they run into a customer at an event, are they? So that, and, and you might be thinking, well, what's that got to do with screenwriting? That's got everything to do with script. And you can get it down to that duration, you've got to the heart of the story. I'd really want to get to the nectar, the core message of today's podcast where we're talking about video is everywhere, but not necessarily for everyone. So what would you consider that core nectar? I think it all comes down to acknowledging that your goal is not for people to watch your content. If that is your goal at the onset, you've already failed, right? You're not a media company. You're not getting paid for people watching the content. What you're getting paid for is influencing behavior. And the way you're going to be able to create stories and present stories that influence behavior is by understanding your audience intimately, which comes back to much, much better writing than what we're seeing out there right now. Well, we've come to the end of a, another fantastic podcast, and I, I want to thank um, our guest, uh, Surab Katari from Cisco, who's the senior manager. Uh, I didn't mention this before. If I did, shame on me. Senior manager in charge of rich media, rich media marketing. And today we talked about you know, the, the whole concept of video being everywhere, but not necessarily for everyone. So for uh, myself and Brendan and for Surab, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Video Marketing 2.0. And you can download this and other episodes by going to our website, videomarketing20.net, or download it from the iTunes or Stitcher radio apps. And if you leave a comment, well, thank you so much because that helps other people discover this podcast and the content that we're trying to provide so again, for everybody here on our team, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Video Marketing 2.0 presented by ThinkMojo. For more help on how to drive results with video, contact ThinkMojo, the video marketing experts at info at thinkmojo.com or visit thinkmojo.com for more information.